From the Thinking Out Loud studios, it's the Thinking Out Loud podcast with Kevin and Kyle, the podcast that exists to help you navigate the culture of today from a biblical perspective and to help you grow in your relationship with God. God has commissioned and called you to be a light in this culture. The only way you can do that is to know the truth. No matter what circumstance you're facing, no matter what season of life that you're in, if you truly want to find success in that season, you are going to have to go back to the simple question of what does God say about me in this moment? There's no shortage of information in this culture, but there is a shortage of truth. Welcome back to the Thinking Out Loud podcast. My name is Kevin Wilson, and I've got Kyle Wenzel here with me in the Thinking Out Loud studios. And we're excited to be back for another episode of the podcast this week. And, you know, this week we thought about talking a little bit about church attendance, young adults being in church, just kind of the overall climate of where church is just in general right now. You know, as well as I do, churches have had to change kind of their way of doing things. You know, a lot of churches went online and, you know, and some of them are still fully online. Others are doing a little bit of both. Others are fully back in their buildings. But as you look at statistics, even before COVID, there seemed to be somewhat of a decline in people going to church and being part of the church. And I mean, I look at it and I say, you know what? This is the time that we should be like more than any time now we should be, you know, in church. So we want to talk a little bit and just have an open, honest discussion of why some people are not in church. You know, we've got young adults, you know, you look around the your your church and you don't see a lot of 18 to 35 year olds. And maybe you may see some declining in church attendance just across the board. But we've you know looked at the research and, and we found some interesting things that I think that you guys will love to hear. And Kyle and I are going to talk about them today. Yeah, and I think it's an important topic. Church is important. I mean, having the discipleship, having a shepherd, somebody who is going to be a constant voice, a constant godly opinion in your life especially in a crucial time like young adults where you, you you know you're figuring out your own way of life things that you like to do ways you like to live your life finding your significant other having kids building uh, a foundation for your future it's imperative especially if you've grown up in the church as a teenager or you know a kid to a teenager it's imperative that we continue to go down that path of having that moral compass to benefit us when we make decisions, when we build character, when we're trying to formulate our own way of life. And so it should be on the forefront of the minds of leaders in the church, but it also should be on the forefront of the minds of us, you know, our generation, Kevin. We have kids, you know, yeah. and we are older when you speak in terms of young adults. I am just on the edge of that, but you, sir... <laughs> I'm just messing, man. He's he's young, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. He is yeah. he's but but what I'm saying is is it it's kind of an onus on us to make sure that, you know, we are staying engaged with the fact that the church is built for a reach. It is built for discipleship. It is built to reach the lost and to disciple the found. And I think that uh, in order to do that, there's no there's no age limit. There's no bias towards an age. It's from the day you're born to the day you go into eternity. You know, that's the, that's the church's goal. And so it's an important time to talk about it. It's an important topic to keep in mind beyond even this conversation. Yeah, absolutely, Kyle. And, and I think what we'll do, you know, as we, you know, air this show today on, you know, check our social media. I'd like to put up just a question, because, you know, I don't assume that everyone that is listening to us, we have people listening like all over the place. And I think there are different you know, walks of life. And I don't assume that every person that listens to us is a Christian or goes to church, which we want anybody. I mean, everybody, you know, to tune into the show. And so and that's what keeps it interesting. Um, I think, you know, uh, if you're not going to church, I'd like to know why we'd like to know why, you know, if you are going to church, we'd like to know why. What are some of the things that you really feel like that keeps you going? 
you know, and so we, you know, there's there's some there's some research that's been done, and I love Barna. Like, man, George Barna, he does some really, really good research. And if you're ever looking for just some 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 deep research, some wide ranging research, check out the Barna group. They are just they're awesome. And they've been doing these these this statistics and research on the church for years. You know, Pew Research is also another one that's really good. But Barna just basically did a a poll on why Christians go to church. And what they say are missing. And I'm just curious, you know, as we go through this, I'm just really, really curious on what you guys say about this. You know, what, you know, can you identify with some of these things that we're going to um, read to you today and that we're going to talk about and we're going to discuss? Because I think everybody has their reasons. Some people get hurt in church, right? And they just, they're like, you know what? I'm just, you know, never going to go back, which, at some point, I think we want to talk about that, too, as well, because there's a lot of that out there. There's a lot of people that unfortunately has been hurt. You know, church is a place where humans are and anywhere there's humans, there's going to be hurt because mm-hmm. that we're human. That, that mm-hmm. That's just all at least to it. We're not going to be perfect. Right. So but I think it's really important for us just to have a little, you know, just a discussion about this, especially right now during the pandemic, because. You know, a lot of people are saying, if you read some of the Christian thinkers and things, they're saying things like, you know, when if we do go back to normal and everybody goes back into the building, that there are uh, there's going to be a percentage that is not going to return to church now that we've been in this pandemic and they didn't necessarily didn't have to go to a building and that they could consume it online. They're saying that it, there's going to be a decline, you know, and as a person who's been a senior pastor and Kyle, of course, you know, has been a pastor as well. You know, this is not good. Like no. we we need the church. We need, you know, and yeah, I mean, you say, well, do you need to go to a building? You know, I'm not saying you absolutely have to go to a building. What I am saying is that's where we go to congregate, to gather to do life together. You know, it's not just one or two things that we do there. We do many things there and it's good to be in uh community in communion with fellow believers. Oh, and also we're, we're creatures of habit. And so yep. part of the reason why we're, we're going to see a decline in church attendance when things go back to normal or as normal as they're going to get is because, well, People were going straight out of habit. It's just some, it's something they did on a Wednesday night or it's something they did on a Sunday. But now that they've been forced to break that habit, there is a new habit, right? But we're also creatures in habit in the sense that the church, we say it all the time, isn't the building. Okay, The building houses the church. Socially, we need to be Christian. Socially, we need to be faithful. And what ignites our movement physically and socially in society is going and being a part of a social structure and part of being online. I get it. There, there is a, there is a place for online. There is a place for live stream. There's a place for that, but there is a very powerful place for socially being involved in your church. Um, And, and it starts in the building, but socially being involved in the building is what amplifies and motivates you to then develop that skill set there. So you can go outside of the church. And oftentimes you get to practice that skill set inside the church building. You get to meet about it. You get to, you know what I'm saying? Like there's structure that's built within the structure so that the church doesn't have to be the structure. Does that make sense? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Structure is built within the structure so that the church doesn't have to be the structure. You know what I'm saying? And so I think it's super important that I think churches are doing their best to find ways to keep everybody involved. And I think they're doing their best because they know it's just it's in, it's inevitable. There's going to be a decline in church attendance. And so I think churches, for, for the most part, have done their best at figuring out how to capitalize on their reach, you know what I'm saying, as far as this pandemic goes and uh, and is going to continue to affect organizations like the church. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Kyle. And, you know, I, I'm sitting here, you know, looking at this research right now and, 
you know, just kind of want to go through it with you, Kyle, and, and, and go through it with our listeners, you know, and maybe some of you guys can identify with this. And, and if you can, you know, sound off, um, you know, on our, on our uh, Facebook page, um, and just kind of let us know. But, um, so Barna asks, um, it's about almost 5,000 Christians. Um, a lot of them are the young adult age, you know, in the 18 to 35 range or so. And we have a lot of 18 to 35s that listen to us. Um, and of course, much older than that as well. But it says, you know, what Christians uh, go to church and what they say is missing. Um, so they ask them, why do you participate in your community of worship? And 63% said to grow in my faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I guess I look at that. And for me, I say, yes, absolutely. You know, I think that's part of it. You know, that's part of why we go to church. But. And I'm just being, you know, I'm being honest and I'm just going to, you know, just kind of share my feelings on this. I'm just, you know, I feel like that. I don't know if we should always go to church to grow in our faith in the sense that that's the reason why we go. Mm-hmm. Because if church on Sunday morning is the only time that you're getting, you know, uh, you're reading the word. It's just the only time that you're, you're you're spending time in worship. If it's the only time that you're spending time around other believers, and that's what you mean by growing faith, then we're missing the whole point of coming together as the church. Because in my opinion, everything that we do at home during the week, when we get together on Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights or whatever, you know, your church Saturday nights, that's an overflow or an outflow of the time that we've spent with God during the week. Mm. It shouldn't be the first time that we get together and say, okay, pastor, because I feel like, and, and Kyle, you can you know chime in on this, but I feel like it's one of those things where, you know, it's that thing. Well, man, the worship team, they better sing my right song, man. They mm-hmm. better sing me a song that can get me to go in, mm-hmm. you know, or the pastor better preach a relevant message because if he doesn't preach a relevant message, it's going to seem like a waste of time. Mm-hmm. And and I would say, if you have a robust relationship with God outside of church on Sunday morning, and you're like in your in your in your Bible studying, you're praying, you're spending some time in worship. It doesn't really matter what the pastor preaches. It doesn't matter what the what the worship team sings. All that ma- you know, like because you're going to be in tune with whatever God is saying, whatever God is doing, and you're just going to happen to be happy to be there with other fellow believers. Yeah, I, I mean, and and that's that's where you take the discipleship part, right? So, yeah. uh, you're growing in your faith Monday through Sunday, right? Um, you you know what I'm saying you're partnering with the discipleship of your pastor to grow into your faith. We're adults. So we know how to do a lot of things on our own. His discipleship, right? His leading of his congregation, we're to partner with that mm-hmm. through the rest of the week. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're there because we agree with his teaching. Whether or not it's relevant for what we're going through, it's relevant to us because it's God's word. Right. And it's it, we, we need to learn it. But then we take it and partner that alongside of whatever discipleship we're going through on a, on a weekly basis. So my pastor doesn't know all the intricate parts of my personal life. Right. My God does. Right. And I need to make sure that in throughout the week, my relationship with God is that is okay. God, here's, here's what's going on today. I want to have this conversation with you. And obviously you're reading his word and stuff, but then that Sunday is your pastor shepherding his church as one body for the relevance of that church, right? Right. And so, again, yeah, you're going to grow in your faith on Sunday, but the growing in the faith needs to happen throughout the week, too. So, Yeah, 100%. So the next one that's under the why do you participate in your community of worship was 61% said to learn about God. And this, like, so on the surface, this sounds great. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, of course, you go to church to learn about God. But but here's here's the problem with it. If we are depending on our pastors alone to learn about God, how will you ever know if there's error? Well, that's probably why you see a decline in adults attending church. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're, you know, 
A guy told me one time, sometimes the cause me prayer is the perfect prayer mm. because we're human, mm. right? Mm. We're not always going to desire to learn about God. We're not always going to desire to have that relationship. We're just, it's our flesh. Okay? Right. There's just, we don't have the time. We, we don't have the humility because it takes a lot of humility. Uh, we don't, we don't have the desire to fix or work on certain things. And he said, you know, it's not, don't be ashamed. He was telling me like, he's like, don't be ashamed to say, Lord, cause me mm. to desire you more. Yeah. Cause me to want to make certain changes in my life. Cause me to develop a discipline. And if we don't have that cause me attitude, mm. that's um, good. we're probably more likely to drop out of things that we're committed to because we just don't have the... The desire to say, okay, I know this isn't right right now, so I'm gonna need some help. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so yeah, I think I think that the the answer's good, right? Like you want to learn about God, but hopefully that's not the only place you're doing it. Right, right, and that's and yeah, and I, I think this just speaks to you know the other statistics that we read, and that is you know this is one of the most biblical illiterate generations that we've ever had. Like, like people, they're, they're not picking up their Bible on their own. And it's so important, guys. I just encourage you, you know, you, you cannot, you, everything that your pastor says, everything that you hear on podcasts, on other, you know, TV shows, whatever the case may be, read the Bible for yourselves. Make sure that what you're hearing is biblical. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, because we put in our trust a lot of times in men and saying that like, oh, well, you know, if this man or woman of God says it, well, then it must be true because of who they are. And you have to understand that that's not always true. And mm-hmm. the only way that you know error is it that you're reading the word and that you're understanding, you know, the word. And and I encourage you, you know, if, if you're looking for resources and you're looking for, you know, especially if you're a millennial out there, you look, you're a young adult. You're looking for resources and help. Go to our website, but also contact us. Contact us through Facebook mm-hmm. and say, listen, I'm a seeker. I just want to know more about God. I don't know where to start. I don't even what to do. We will help you. We love doing that. Like, I'll tell you, I love, 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 you know, walking somebody through and helping disciple them through their early journey of their relationship with God. And then walking through with them like I it's what it's it brings me so much joy. So if you're out there and you're questioning or you just have questions that's keeping you out of church, you have you just have things where you're just like, man, I just have never had somebody to be able to answer these questions for me. Reach out to us. Reach out, you know, message us on Facebook, message us on Instagram, private message us. You know, whatever the case may be, or send us an email through our website, thinkingoutloudmedia.com. But we'd love to to help you there. But, you know, the only way that you get and you understand is not just going to church, but you have to research and you have to study yourself. And I yeah. think that's super important. One of the one of the biggest concerns is the best part about society right now is the word of God is spreading like a wildfire through youtube videos and live stream and like it's not confined to physically being in church that's awesome but that's also a problem because there's a lot of bad teaching i mean even in worship songs you got worship teams that are creating their own worship songs and you listen to the lyrics the lyrics are supposed to be edifying they're supposed to glorify god but they're supposed to be scripturally sound that's right. Um, a lot of the worship songs you find, they are verses from the Bible. And so there are times where <laughs> some very popular worship bands now, I mean, there, there's songs now that I, I just won't listen to because, mm-hmm. and you could call me super legalistic. That's fine. I won't. Li- they're great songs and they're powerful songs yeah. and I get pumped up, but I listen to the lyrics and I'm like, that's, that's biblically unsound. Right. Like, right. like if I'm going to learn God through this worship song, that's not, I'm not learning God. That's. That isn't biblical. What's what's being yeah. spoken of right now, and and that's just an example. But because it's so out there and it's so accessible, I think that we also need to be a little more guarded in making sure that just because the message sounds good and it speaks to us, that it's the Bible that's speaking to us, and yeah. it's not some false teaching or teaching that's taking out of context. And and, and again, I think that also leads to. You talk about hurt in a church and you talk about misleading in a church and people leaving. 
some of that comes out of bad teaching. That's and right. it didn't 100%. stick. It didn't stick in the leadership. It didn't stick in the application because it wasn't biblical. It wasn't meant to stick. Right. Uh, it failed because it wasn't biblical. And instead of blaming the teaching, we're blaming the pastor that taught it. We're blaming the leaders that tried to apply it. And they failed or, or, or the person failed. And so I think as pastors, we need to make sure that we we know a punchline is going to be a punchline, but it better be a punchline because it's biblical. You know, what I'm saying? if right. it's if it's biblical, it's going to handle itself. Yeah, and 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 then on the flip side, if you if you're listening and if you're following that teaching, I think there's a lot of credibility in a pastor that'll look you back in the face and say, "What I'm about to tell you, I want you to research for yourself." That tells me when they say something like that that they've done their research, that they are right. confident that it is exactly what the Bible's saying. But they are also putting room out there to say, hey, you also need to, to understand that it is your duty to do this research, to learn this word, to make sure you understand what is being spoken. And if you don't agree with it, you're doing your research, you know. So it's, a, it's very important that we find out the truth in the word of God. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, I, I'll never forget, you know, just a couple years ago or so, we were, my wife and I were you know, young marriage leaders at a, at a church. and. There was a student that we had in, in our class because we taught marriage classes. And uh, there was a student in our class that would always come. And I, and it seemed like no matter what I taught, she always had a question. And, and she would question me on what I was teaching. And, you know, and she would just give me these alternative views or she would give me whatever. And I loved it. And I think some of the other people in the class were probably like, man, he's probably getting annoyed. But I loved it. Because that meant that she was taking what I was saying, she was going home, she was dissecting it and saying, well, wait a minute, but what about this? Or she was saying, well, what? Well, yeah, I heard you say that, but what about this? Or what about that? She challenged me. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Any good Bible-believing person is going to encourage that because they're about sound doctrine. So yeah. so they're not, and, and we'll, you know, there's going to be a future show at some point. We'll talk about you know, we'll talk about some some bad theology that's taught in churches and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I can camp out on that all day because yeah. that's one of my that's just one of my topics that I just I love talking about because I feel like it's so important that people have the right theology. But but saying that, I love the fact that she would come to class and she challenged me. And she wasn't trying to challenge me just to challenge me. She was challenging me because, you know, she really wanted to learn and she wanted to know, you know, to me, a student that never asks a question, I'm all I'm, that concerns me because my thing is you should always have a question about something that you've never heard before or something that, you know, maybe you have heard before, but maybe it's being taught by a different, per, a different person. How do you learn if you don't ask questions? So, right. you know, I think that's important, but. So continuing the why, uh, why do you participate in your community of worship? Others said, one of the things they said is this is, it's how I live out my faith, which, yeah, that's, mm -hmm. that's, that's it. Like that's, that's how we live out our faith. Mm -hmm. um, but for only 40%, only 40%. So it dropped from 61% to learn, you know, that's learned about God uh, to 40% said it's how I live out my faith. And I think that, I mean, I think going to church, the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, especially when you see that day approaching. It's talking about the last days. And so as we get closer and closer to the last days, we are not supposed to neglect being together. So that is part of living out your faith for sure. Mm -hmm. So why do you participate in your community of worship? Another one was teaching that are relevant to my life. That was 40%. 40% of people said teachings that are relevant to my life. Listen, everything in the word is relevant to our lives. Like, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, for sure. Wisdom for how to live faithfully, 39%. Worship and music, 37%. You know, wisdom for how scriptures apply to my life, 35%. That scares me a little bit because, you know, if, if you're trying... Listen, there's tons of wisdom and scriptures for how to, uh, you know, to how to apply the scriptures to your life. There's tons of wisdom in the scriptures. So to me, that should be 100 percent of people should have said, you know, looking for wisdom for how scriptures apply to my life. Thirty three percent be said because it's the right thing to do. Twenty eight percent said prayer events and 24 percent said to be involved 
with my community. That's yeah. Listen, you you need to be involved in your community. So I think if you're saying, hey, you know, um, this is why I participate in the community of worship, that should be 100 percent because we should all be involved in our community. And I think that answer is going to vary because quite, quite honestly, it's going to depend on whether or not the church is involved in the community. That's so true. So true. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Like, I bet you the percentage of people who said that their churches are highly involved in the community because there's pure joy when, when, when that is, that's something that's championed in the church. Yeah. You know, it's championed in the church. I mean, there's not just one or two outlets. Everything you do seems to culminate in getting involved in the community. That's right. Everything you're teaching on seems to culminate in getting it out there to the community, getting the community into the church. And so you'll find, I don't, I know just from the church that I belong to, the desire for that is big because it's, I mean, it's represented well, you mm-hmm. know, it's almost as if it's like, this is, this is a standard of living in this church, you yep. know? And so, and then in other churches, it's not as championed or it's not, it's not at all championed. And so you don't, you don't have that. You just don't have that result in the poll. One thing you said earlier was about the people want sermons based off of their life stuff that's going to relate to their life relevant to their life Mm -hmm. i think one of the indications that you're in a healthy church is not that they're just specifically talking about things you're dealing with in your life like certain sins or certain scenarios or you know i'm saying Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. certain trials but but the fact that they're they are addressing society society and social issues yep it's not easy uh, coming from a pastor. It's not easy to be able to, you know, you try to plan weeks out. You're really trying to do your research. And sometimes, man, society just throws a curveball. COVID's a, th- COVID's a curveball. Yeah. And then racial racial injustice yeah. inside of COVID yep. is like a two-seamed fastball, slider, curveball, knuckleball, all in one. Yeah. And if you have a shepherd, you have a pastor who's willing to get down and grapple with those issues because he cares about his congregation enough to say, well, I was going to talk about this series and it's a really good series and it's, it's, it's going to motivate the people, but I'm going to put that on the back burner because right now I have a people that need to be shepherded through a situation. They need to be shepherded through a season. Yeah. That's relevant. Yeah. That. It may not motivate you to make this huge life altering, but what it's doing is it's teaching you how to live out your faith in some of the hardest times the world's ever seen. And so don't be duped by the fact that maybe the maybe the message wasn't as motivational. Maybe it wasn't as fired up and amped up. Maybe your pastor went from a preacher to a teacher for a couple weeks. That's right. Be able to discern that and realize, oh my goodness, he's... He's wanting to make sure that he's shepherding his That's flock. Right. He's wanting to make sure he protects his flock. And at times, your your preacher is going to turn into a teacher. That's right. And it's going to be class, 101, Christianity in society, because that's what you need. And that is relevent to your life. Yeah, absolutely. Man, you made so many good points there. And I will tell you, sometimes, you know, we as pastors, we get stuck in a style. And when you get stuck in a style... And like he said, there's a huge difference between preaching and teaching. And when you get yeah. stuck in a style of preaching, you say, man, I, I just, man, I like to take, take my coat off, throw it across the stage. You know, I like <laughs> to be running around sweating with my, you know, if, if that is your definition of what a good sermon is, then you, you really miss the, you, you have a misunderstanding, a fundamental misunderstanding of what a sermon is. And, you know, we should be teaching God's people. You know, and everybody's style is different, but people should come out of church understanding and being able to to then go into their study and even dig even deeper. People need to be taught, you know, and I think millennials and I think this is one of the reasons why, you know, millennials are saying that, hey, I go because it's relevant to my life. They're looking for relevant things that's going to make sense for their life today. And I'll tell you right now, I have a huge heart for young adults. I because I feel like a lot of young adults today don't realize that a lot of what is going on, a lot of things that they face is, is truly, is truly answered and talked about in the Bible. They, they just don't see the Bible as relevant to where they are or that the Bible can really speak into their situation. And the Bible speaks better than any book. I don't care if the book was written by a pastor, priest, prophet. It doesn't matter. 
the Bible speaks to that way deeper, with much more wisdom, the greatest wisdom, because that wisdom came from God. And so I think mm-hmm. it's extremely important that we, you know, we do, we teach and we disciple. And you know what? If you're an inspirational teaching pastor and that's, you know, your, your thing, make sure you have discipleship people that's under you that can disciple people well that are actually teaching yeah. people yeah the word you know hire your weakness right we I, we say that in the secular market you yeah. know you know you hire your weakness right so if i'm if if you know me in the human resource field you know if i'm not good at recruiting i need to hire a recruiter you know if i'm not good at you know multitasking i need to hire somebody that's a great multitasker right we're not saying that you have to be good at everything but at least hire your weakness so if you say, man, I'm just not into the teaching. I'm not into the expository chapter by chapter, verse by verse. I will tell you people need that. So, you know, get some people on your staff or, you know, let some volunteers that you trust and you can trust with the word of God, let them teach on a Wednesday night or Saturday night or, or, uh, you know, have a class or small group at their home, you know, and allow them to break open the word of God because Mm. this generation needs to be biblically literate. It is so important, especially now with so much information, as Kyle said earlier, swirling around the, um, the, the internet. You know, we, there's not a shortage of information, as we say at the opening of every show, but there is a shortage of truth. And so we, mm-hmm. we, we've got to get them into that. And one thing I wanted to piggyback on what you said, Kyle, was being involved in the community is so important. Whatever you make as a pastor, whatever you make important, that's what your people are going to think is important. So if you make missions important, if you make, you know, feeding the poor, the homeless, the, the, you know, orphans, all that, if you make that important, that's what your people are going to make important. But if you make signs, wonders, and miracles important, and you don't say anything about orphans, anything about missions, nothing about feeding the homeless, nothing, I mean, all, it's just miracle signs and wonders. Well, then that's what your people are going to be focused on. And they're going to be inwardly focused it's going to, what can God do for me as opposed to what can I do to further the gospel and to further God's mission on the earth? And it is extremely important that we, we focus on the right things. Yeah. And, and just a side note that, you know, the congregation is going to take on the personality of the pastor. Yes, right. Uh, I, I learned that being a youth pastor. Yeah. And and as much as we don't think teenagers want to hear a message, they do. Yeah. They want to see it, too. And I had to learn because it was easy for me to preach on how to overcome their obstacles. They're teenagers. They have new obstacles every day, whether it's sin, whether it's friendships. What, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was always easy to preach those types of messages. But if you want to, you know, and I just wanted to see more from our teenagers and I realized, well, seeing more from our teenagers meant there need to be more from me as a leader yeah. because all they're doing is taking on the personality of me. That's right. right. Yep. And so if I'm just going to continue to talk about overcoming obstacles, they're never going to like, we got to preach about the victories and we've got to apply that to the community and we've got to get out and we've got to share the good news and we've got to, pre- you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so once we started becoming more active in our faith, Instead of just preaching about it and actually started doing it and celebrating it. And then we, st- I started seeing more ownership from the kids in the ministry. There was a little bit more, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, because I, I love the motivational mess. I love the, you know, you got to chase your lion, you know, or right. whatever. Right. And, but there's a time and place for that. And then there's a time and place for teaching and applying. And, and so, yeah, I mean, I know we've gone off a little bit, but it's important. It's important if we're going to talk about sustaining adults, you know, through adulthood, through young adults, then we're going to have to apply ownership, right? You go to a church because you own part of that ministry. You're a part of the church. You're you're an arm piece. You're a leg piece. You're the body. And so if you don't feel like you're a part of the body, you're not going to attend the body. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so if I don't feel like I'm the foot, I'm not going to act like the foot. You know right, what I'm saying? Right. So, so I think that it's super important that we find a place, we find ways and avenues for all types of people to get involved, to find their skill set, to find what they enjoy, what they desire, and and allow that to happen and create that ownership. Yeah, man. I, I will never forget. Um, I was leaving in church just a few years ago, and kids were getting out of the youth group. And I will never forget this. Like it, like I, it, it, it just, man. 
I, I can't tell you what it did to my heart. Hmm. They were coming out of service and, you know, kids can come out of service like, oh, man, they had a great prayer service or, oh, it was a great worship or it was a great whatever. Man, we really got, you know, we got in touch with God tonight or, you know, whatever. It wasn't one of those services. It was actually a service where the youth pastor decided to actually give the kids evidence for Christ, the like actual archaeological evidence, scientific evidence that Jesus is who he says he was, that the things in the Bible are actually true. Those kids came out of that youth group, and I had no idea that's what was taught when they when they first came out. But they were running and they were jumping and they were just they were ecstatic because they were like, we have never heard this stuff before. We had no idea that the Bible Mm -hmm. could be backed up in archaeology, in science, you know, because, you know, a lot of people just think like the Bible is, you know, unto itself. Like, it's just this book. And, and, you know, you just have to believe whatever it says, no matter there, there's no corroborating evidence or anything like that. It's just, it's just this book that everyone is supposed to magically believe, right? Not understanding all of the overwhelming evidence that there is. I mean, there's, you know, there's more, you know, and I don't know if some of you guys know this, but there is more evidence and more corroborating evidence for a lot of things in the New Testament than there is for some of the history books that we have. We have more evidence in archaeology and history on some of the things that we see in the Bible than we do on some of the stuff that we've seen in recent history, right? So you got kids in school that are listening and saying, okay, uh, George Washington lived. Okay, he was the first president of the United States. They've never been there. They don't they have no idea. They just going based on history and, and the tradition that he was uh, president of the United States, which we know he was. Right. OK. Uh, but we believe that. But then when you show them the Bible, which is a history book, they're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Was there really a Moses? Was there really an Adam and Eve? I, I don't know. Well, just like you weren't there for George Washington, you weren't there for Adam and Eve. But for some reason, you believe that George Washington lived, but you don't believe that Adam and Eve lived. Right. But when you understand the archaeological evidence, when you see the scientific evidence, when you see uh, all of the other things that you can dig up, man, it is amazing. So to see those kids come out of youth group that night, it's just ecstatic. And I thought maybe they had a like a great time in prayer or they just had a great worship service and they were just jumping around and whatever. It wasn't that. It was because they finally realized that there was some backup to their faith, that there was some actual evidence to their faith. Yeah. You know, and that's and that's powerful. So teaching, you know, and it's not always inspirational, but actually teaching is so, so, so important. Um so this same research um, asked this, this same group of people, what do you think is missing from your community of worship? And uh, so, some of the answers that they gave was oppor- opportunities to fight injustice and oppression. Yikes. Mm. I, I, you know, and pastors, if you're listening, you know, listen to what listen to what people are saying here. And this is 17 percent. 17 percent said opportunities to fight injustice and oppression. I will tell you right now, that's what that's what millennials want to do. They want to see their dollars. They want to see us actually go out and actually do something about the plight that we see people in the world. They don't care about the color of the carpet. They don't care about the color of the pews. They could care less. They don't even care as much. If you read statistics, they don't even care as much about smoke and lights and lasers and all the stuff that we think is important to them. That's actually not what they care about. Mm -mm. They care about fighting injustice they care care about movement that's that's right you know and that's and and again that's why we've seen movements within the church right yeah there's constantly but they what they care about is the social movements and they should i mean that's the world they live in and what better place to get wisdom on how to respond and how to fight the way that the, the way that jesus has shown us the way that god talks about in his word again that goes back to you know, they want relevance in their life. Well, they're faced with this every day they go to work. There yep. is a social injustice that's being talked about. They have to formulate an opinion in a conversation. And I do think there's there needs to be some ownership from the pulpit. You know, a lot of times we try to shy away from politics. We try to shy away from social issues because, oh, it just brings tension. Well, the right approach with a biblical answer can also relieve the tension. 
And yeah. so, so I think, yeah, I, I, not to cut you off, man, but I no. think that that answer is, it, I bet you it'd be, you went nationally with that. It would be one of the more popular answers, especially right now. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. Uh, the other was vocational training. Um, that's one thing they feel like is missing. I, and I agree with that. I think the ch- again, the church, it, it, you know, we look to the government for all these things. But mm-hmm. man, how awesome would it be for the church to be at the forefront of vocational training? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, because it, it you know, because we, we say we want to change our our culture. We want to change our society. What, why don't the church train our next leaders? Why don't the church yeah. train our next senators and our uh, state representatives and attorneys and, you know, congressmen and women? I mean, could you imagine if they got their start in the church? Uh, we wouldn't have half the issues that we have right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, so I think sometimes as a church, we we, we get confused on, you know, really what is uh, what, what's important. And so I think something like that is is awesome. Yeah, powerful. Yeah, yeah. Another thing they say is missing is social gatherings outside of the worship space. Now, I think this is getting more popular. You know, where small groups, and, and then you're all, obviously your small group goes goes out to eat, axe throwing, bowling, whatever the case may be. <laughs> um, axe throwing that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, see, that's what we got. Let's get it. We got to get a small group for Kyle that he wants to go axe throwing. <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, so it, things like that, you know, they want to get out, they want to socialize, and I agree. I think I think the church should be a place where, and the the great thing about stuff like that is you can invite people that are not saved. Yeah, um, you know, because there's some people that'll never step foot in a church, but they will right. step foot in a bowling alley. Right. They will step foot in the skating rink. Why? Because they're having fun. But the awesome thing about that is they're having fun with some good people and they can learn about Christ in the, in, in the midst of that. People need people. That's right. And, and it's a little offsetting when the only time, especially for young adults, man, like their schedules are crazy. Yeah. And I just had a conversation with a couple, um, they're young adult couple and they, they're having a they they have a huge church, and they're having a hard time finding just some young adult couples that they can mesh with. And I mean, there's a lot of you're talking a couple hundred. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, they're in the hundreds with young adults, and you would think, well, it should be pretty easy for you to find some. But if you're not having gatherings that there's no strings attached, it's like we're just going to hang out we're, because relationships in the church are huge. Yes. The, the yes. one of the things that we need to see are relationships that are going to last a lifetime. Th- those are the glue sometimes, even to your relationship with God, because yes. there are going to be times where things just get untucked, man. And yeah. you're going to need that support from your friends. Mm-hmm. You're going to need that, that constant voice that's like, okay, hey, listen, I get it. It's rough. It's hard. But remember, you know, and the way to develop that is to build the trust outside of it. 100%. You know, if you can trust them without there being a religious string attached, you're going to trust them. That's you know what I'm right. saying? You're going to trust their Jesus because you trust them. And even when you serve the same Jesus, but when your life unravels, you're not thinking logically. Right. But when that voice can come and bring you back to logic, well, guess what? It's the same Jesus you, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I think that there's an importance to to being able to to put a commitment on saying, we're just going to hang out with people. Mm-hmm. That's all we're going to do tonight. Mm-hmm. We're just, I want to know about you. I want to learn about you. I want to get to know you. You know what I'm saying? And develop that friendship that, let's be honest, bars have no problem helping people do that. Right. Yep. Clubs have no problem helping people do that. Yeah. Uh, sporting events have no problem helping people do that. And so the church shouldn't have a problem helping people do that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It, no strings attached. We just want to build build a crowd. We want to build relationships within the crowd. And uh, everybody has their own agenda for that, right? Our agenda would be to reach the lost, to disciple those that are found. And so I think that it's important to capitalize on the relationship aspect of that. You know, it's, it's really cool because uh, there was a church uh, some years back that actually owned, and it was very controversial. People, you know, even when you said it, they were like, what? But they actually owned a Christian nightclub. And, <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and so many people are talking about it. 
you know, I went out there because I wanted to see, you know, like what what is this place? What you know, what's uh-huh. going on? It was one of the coolest things I've ever seen, and I truly. I think almost every church needs to have one. And and here's the thing. They had a separate building that was not it it wasn't near the it was near the church, but it wasn't on the church property. It was just it was a building. It looked just like a restaurant inside. You go in, it had the bar, and of course they were not selling alcoholic beverages or anything like that, but they were selling all kinds of different types of coffee. And you know, coffee is extremely popular right now. And they were selling all kinds of like coffees and drinks that, you know, uh, and stuff like that. And then they had a bunch of booths where people, you could get snacks, you could eat, you could order stuff. They had pool tables, they had foosball, they had, you know, just play, just to hang out. They had some just cool music playing. And then they had another room where they had like a sound stage. And what they would do is they would have local bands or some, some famous bands. And I'll tell you one famous band that was there that I got to see before they got big was Need to Breathe. Uh, Need to mm. Breathe is, amazing i literally stood stand like the where i was standing i could touch the stage like i could just rest my hands on the stage and there was Bo and every and his guys they're just right there and you know and it was just a cool experience it's stuff like this right like they're like like as kyle said people need people right we already have that desire to be around people to congregate to commune with people if it doesn't happen in the church, it's going to happen in the bar. It's going to happen yeah. in the the nightclub, right? It's going to happen in, you know, uh, area places that we don't necessarily want to see people go. But if we can provide an alternative for them, you know, what an awesome. And I had, a, I had so much fun that night. I think I went maybe two or three times to that, uh, that club. There was also, and actually another uh, artist I saw there was Jeremy Camp before Jeremy Camp got big. Like it was just maybe a couple of hundred of us and we were packed. I mean, Lord, we mm-hmm. could not do that right now, but we were packed. It was standing room only. I mean, like you could just smell the hot breath of the person behind you. Like it was <laughs> just, it was, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Christian was, version of St. Andrews. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was, yep. Like St. Andrews Hall. Yep. And, and yeah, it was just, it was crazy. But you know what? We had fun. We danced. Yeah. We we you know we had fun with each other. So that's the kind of stuff. But it was all clean. I didn't have to leave guilty, feeling guilty. You know. You know we had some real good time there. But some of the, a couple other things that they said. What do you think is missing from your community? Is um, workshops for strengthening relationships. Um. Hey, listen. I, you know we need to build the great relationships. And I'm sure this is probably talking about marriages, stuff like that. We should always have an outlet for people to be able to um, learn how to grow in their relationships with their wives and their husbands and new budding relationships. Right. And so that's super important. The support groups for challenges in my life. That is so, so, so important. Everybody's facing so many challenges, whether it be financial mental health, whether it be like, there's so many things that people are facing right now. Family challenges, you know, um, you know, alcohol and drug abuse, just so many things. Right. And that's where we go. Right. We shouldn't have to have to go to, to AA, you know, church should be there. I'm not saying you don't go to AA. What I'm saying is the church should be the first stop that you go besides the altar, besides somebody telling you that they need to pray it out of you. There needs to be an actual practical place where you can go and receive the things that you need to receive. And, you know, it's crazy. What shows up again on this list is opportunities to care for the poor and needy. First, they said opportunities to fight injustice and oppression. But here it comes again in in the language of opportunities to care for the poor and needy. We should be that should be every church every week. We should be doing that. That's just, that's just, that's a part of our DNA as a Christian. Can I just throw something in there? Yep. Today on our way to church, we had stopped. Dude, I had saved these four quarters for the snack shop, bro. I was like, <laughs> I'm getting a, I'm getting a pop today. Like Mountain Dew this is what I'm getting. We stopped at a red light and dude, I stopped like face to face with this homeless guy. Mm. And it's that awkward moment where you're like, He's expecting me to give him something because I'm right here. I'm not three right. cars down. I'm right. Right. I was like, you know what though? I need, I need to. I need to give it. So I gave him the four quarters. Right. My like, whatever. And my wife was like, you know what stinks is we don't really know like 
we don't know who's it stinks that people have ripped people off before and it's ruined the fact that people genuinely want to give they just don't know and just if you're in that boat here's here's one thing i learned from a pastor before it's it's not our job to figure out whether they're truly homeless homeless or not it's not yep by the word of god it's our job to take care of them yep it's our job to help them out and it's going to be between them and God to answer because that is, I mean, I, I firmly believe like that is a serious thing for God. And if you're going to go around mimicking that you're needy and you're poor, there's going to be a special conversation for you. Right. But I mean, that's not biblical, but you know what I'm saying? Like right. it's severe. Yeah. Right. Right. Let me just disclaimer. That's not in the Bible. But what I'm saying is, is he, man, he takes that serious. And so I just told that I said, it's, it's not our job to figure that out. It's my job to respond. Yeah. And I'm going to do my part and respond. And you know what? If I get gypped out of a dollar, okay, I get gypped out of a dollar. But if I can help somebody with a dollar, I'm going to help someone with a dollar. And that's the principle to that. And uh, so when you're out there, just understand, like, it's not your job to judge that. It's your job to help that. So Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, that no, that's great. And, you know, one of the last ones I'll read, and there's other ones on here, but one of them is a regular, you know, what's missing from your community of worship, regular meeting with a mentor. I cannot tell you how many people long for this. They want mm. this. They need this. You know, the Bible talks about the older women in the church, you know, teaching the younger women. I would say the same thing for men. Older men should be teaching. And I and I and we didn't get a chance to get into all this part and 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 maybe we'll do this at some other time, but I would challenge every youth pastor, your job as a youth pastor needs to be building a bridge and connecting your youth with the older people in the, in the, in the congregation. If you close the door, put smoke and lasers and turn off the lights and say, this is what they asked for. This is what they wanted. I will tell you, that's not what they want. And even if they think that's what they want, that's not what they need. You can do it because I love, I mean, listen, I'm just like anybody else. I love smoke. I love lasers. I love going crazy for God. Like I love it all. Here's the thing. You have to be able to build a bridge because what happens is you end up creating a church inside of a church. And that's not what we're to do. We're the body of Christ. And so when you lock them in a room with their with only their kind of music, with only their kind of lights, their only kind of atmosphere, and they come out of that room, they look at somebody that's 70 years old and they go, you have nothing for me. There's nothing you can say to me there because we can't relate. One of the biggest, and this is why I really believe that we see a huge decline when it comes, when they get 18 years old, there's no 18 to 35s. Why? Because we have taught them that, hey, as long as you go in this room, we'll play your music. We'll do everything for you. You don't have to worry about those other people over there. That That's just for people that, you know, that's the older people over there. That's the problem. We've got to build a bridge where they understand the value of those older people in that yeah. main auditorium. And then yeah. the older people need to understand the value of that next generation in the youth group because they in turn can look at the kids in the youth group and go, oh my goodness, what a what a rowdy bunch of kids. All they like is that hard rock music and smoke and lasers. Ain't no spirit of God in that. That's just a bunch of flesh, right? They just, they, 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 they will write them off because they don't understand. So as a youth pastor, in my opinion, your chief, your, your, you should be an architect at building the bridge between the, the, the Sunday morning crowd and your Wednesday night or Friday night or whenever you hold youth group, uh, your, 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 your people, because they need the wisdom of those older men that's mm-hmm. in that, is it in that sanctuary? And that's just not the current model of youth groups right now. The current model is shut the door, put on the lasers and the lights, put, you know, shut the, you know, shut the, the fluorescence off. And man, we're going to, we're going to do our thing, but it trains them to think that's what is normal and that's all there is. So what happens is when they come out of, when they get 18 and they come out of youth group and they have to sit in the regular service, it's culture shock because Mm. they feel like they have zero, they feel like they have zero anything in common with people who are 50 years old, 40 years old. And really 
these are the people that just got out of and kind of went through their next stage of life. They have everything to tell them. I mean, it's it's so I think as as pastors and I'm so passionate about this, I actually want to write a book about this, but I believe that we have to change our model of how we do youth ministry and put more focus on building that bridge with the older generation, because that's what God wants. He said in the Bible, you know, the younger, the older women should teach the younger women. Mm. Do you see that ever? Like, do you see a 16 year old girl hormones going crazy? Not sure, not sure who she is, not understand, you know, you know, on Pinterest comparing herself to everybody. Do you see her sitting down with a 50 year old woman? Rarely, maybe her mom, but she don't even like her mom because she's 15. Like, what? you know what I mean? Like, you know, and usually the youth pastor and their wives are young as well. Right. So it's, it's, you know, not in all cases, but this is biblical. And so yeah. when they say that they want or they want to meet with a mentor, guys, we need to, this is what, this is what they need. Yeah. And, and we talk, you know, we talk about youth group a little bit. I think it's important, and Kev, you've even, I mean, you've really taught me this. There's something about the church championing fatherhoods, yeah. sonships. Mm-hmm. Like God God moves in that way where yeah. he's calling you to be a father for a season or he's calling you to be a son or a daughter for a season. And yeah. um, like there's times where I've been that. I've had to be the, like, I've, I've needed a father, basically, yeah. right? Or yep. I've needed a spiritual mother or or whatever that is. And that's not over spiritualizing it. Like that's truth. Yeah. And um, there's going to be a time when God starts to call me to be a spiritual father. And that's right. so you're, you've been a youth pastor, but that's different. It's a little different. I'm shepherding yes. a flock. I've had leaders that have been fathers and I've had leaders that have been mothers. And yeah, I've been a father and a mother, you know, not a mother. My wife's been a mother, but yeah, there's going to be a time where I'm going to have to partner with my church and say, okay, I've got to get involved here. And mm-hmm. God's going to entrust me to, to people who are underneath me. And that's, right. that's going to be a fatherhood there. And yeah. I think it's important for adults to get involved in the youth ministry in leadership for more than just the students. That's right. For the youth pastor, because that's the right. youth pastor more, more times than not is going to be young. Yeah. And, and if the youth pastor is good enough, and I mean this, he's going to look to that older leadership. Yeah. He's going to look for their response and he's going to look for, for what they think about his response. And that's important that you have that balance there. Uh, it's important you have that all throughout the church, but more importantly, with the young adults and with the teenagers, they need the older generation. They need it. Yeah, hundred percent. And so, yeah, and so, yeah. I mean, I, you know, and and you guys that are listening, you know, just sound off with us. You know, let us know. I mean, are, do you identify with some of these things that Barna is saying? You know, there's a lot of people they surveyed and uh, pastors. You know, same thing. I hope that you get something out of this as well. A lot of you guys are doing some amazing jobs. I mean, just amazing. You know, I know our church, I just brag about our church. Uh, we just, we just, we, we are blessed. We, mm-hmm. we belong to an amazing yeah, ministry. And so, and I mean, they, they have everything you can imagine and they're, they're trying to shepherd things right. And, and it's just awesome. Um, yeah. you know, and, and every church doesn't have the resources that our church has, you know, and we're not saying that every church does, but with, with whatever you have, shepherd well. And as you, uh, us as parishioners, let's, let's do everything that we can to be a help. Mm-hmm. to our pastors mm-hmm. to shepherd well. Yeah. You know, when they ask for volunteers or they ask for, you know, people to, you know, to maybe donate for scholarships for the kids to go to youth retreat or if they say, hey, we need, we're going to do a mentorship program, raise your hand. Be that mentor. Be that person. Don't say I don't have anything to give. If you live life, you've got something to give. And, you know, be that, be the church, mm-hmm. you know, because the youth needs you and you need the youth, yep. believe it or not. Yep. You, there, there's something that can be taught both ways. So, mm-hmm. um, that's, that's something I think that's in, that's important. So, you know, hopefully you guys got something, you know, out of this today. And, and like I say, get, just get on Facebook, let us know. We'll, we'll post some stuff up there. Just let us know what you think. And, and yeah, we love to see it. We love to see it. So check us out everywhere. We're on Facebook thinking out loud we're on twitter instagram all of these things are on youtube we don't talk about it a lot 
but mm-hmm. we put these are posted on YouTube. So all of our shows are posted there. You can also listen to our podcast on our website, thinkingoutloudmedia.com. Uh, if you're a pastor out there and you're wanting us to come speak at your church, Kyle and I are will be happy to come and speak. And, you know, we can speak on many different topics. And or if you've got a roundtable discussion that you want us to, ha- to come talk to your congregation, we're certainly willing to do that as well. So but go to our website, thinkingoutloudmedia.com and just contact us there and we will uh, get you in touch with our person that will schedule those speaking engagements. OK, hope you guys are have a great week. We love you guys. We'll see you next week.